Hey everyone, this is John Gunter, and you're listening to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. Uh, this episode is our Wednesday night series that we're studying hermeneutics, which is how to study the Bible. This is week five, and we dive into really what to focus on when you look at different sentences within Scripture. This is something we already do in English. It's just uh, another uh, just another encouragement. As we read, we read slowly. We try to notice things, and, and uh, I think this is very helpful. Again, the whole goal here is to help us all understand Scripture better. And uh, when you have the freedom to do that, to study and to know what to look for, man, is it fun. Again, we thank you for joining. We hope it's a blessing to you. Have a great day. All right. I'll just try to stay still. Y'all know that's easy for me, right? You may not believe this, but when I started preaching, I had everything on a manuscript and I didn't move. And I felt like there was some security in that, but once I started trying to do it without notes, I found there was a lot more fun and freedom and moving and not worrying about, did I say every single thing I wrote on paper? Um, so I, I'm just now, I'm all over the place, so sorry about that. All right, so Luke chapter 4, starting in, I believe, verse 31. Does that start a new section? I've got to pull up my Bible here. Yes. 31 to 37. A section there going off my memory and not okay would somebody read that for us then he went down to Capernaum a town in Galilee and was teaching them on the Sabbath they were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority in the synagogue there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice leave us alone what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be silent, come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them all, and they were saying to one another, What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. News about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. All right. Thank you, Terry. All right. So if you've got that handout, uh, or you can look at the, the screen right now. Again, the handout has extra information. Again, so uh, you can look at that without me having to explain any of it. Um, it's also, again, on that drive. Everything's out there, even tonight's uh, lesson uh, and tonight's handout that we'll go over. So uh, look at that step one. So we just read the text. And step one, again, is grasping the text in their town. And the question we're going on is, what did the text mean to the biblical audience? Okay, so as Terry read through that account, what would people at that time, what would they have uh, gotten as a meaning out of this little story that is provided by Luke? Not what we get out of it, but what would they? Could be the same thing, but... That Jesus taught on the Sabbath. Okay. And the demons knew him. Demons knew him. Okay. What does that mean? Go a little further. What does it mean that that the demons did know him? Well, what he called them. Let me put this back on. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Yeah. I mean, he lays it out there. Yeah. A confession. 
confession of they knew who Jesus was, right? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Anything else in that section? Just because you know who he is doesn't mean you're saved. All right. What did they... Hold on. Let's start Start there. <laughs> okay. Let, let's, let's, let's see. Okay. So, just because you know who he is, okay, going a little bit further with the meaning. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Because demon, obviously, right? That's what I'll say. Yeah. He was, um, they, would have, they would have been, um, they would have understood that he had authority in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. interesting is it says his teaching is authority, but he can back it up with his words. Yeah. Yeah, he showed, he showed by, exactly, what happened there. Absolutely. All right. Anything else in there? There's a lot of stigma about you know, who is impure, and so Jesus having a close interaction with someone that everyone else would have stayed very, very, very far away from, and then able to rectify whatever situation was going on. Mm-hmm. Like they would have noticed, like, oh wow, because they already had opinions of him with tax collectors and sinners, but like, oh man, this man is full of demons, and Jesus is still, you know, able to right. close and interact. With him. Yeah, and both both those things is. Uh, uh, his, his power to handle the situation, his power shown in that whole situation that he could do that and not be affected in any uh, adverse way, uh, all uh, kind of pictures of authority about who Jesus was, right? Because that was that was the the main thing that that got Jesus killed, right? Because he was he was uh, uh, said that he was just out lying. You know, he was he was blaspheming against God because he said he was the Son of God and he had this power. He was sent by God, right? And so, what you see here in this account is okay. Well, he's backing it up, right? He's backing something. Huh? Why didn't they believe with all that he did? Karen, we could we could ask that about ourselves every day, could we? I mean, if we're honest, and and I hope my kids, you know, why didn't they do better? You know, and that's kind of, and that, but that's the story of the Bible too. Uh, you know, I talked about Exodus the other day, and, and you know, it just seems like you know the next chapter from experiencing all these miracles, all these things that helped them get out of it. Hey, let's make some golden calves and say this is the God who brought you out of it, right? But that's the story of us, right? That's that's our story. Mr. Pratt. Huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it does. Around every turn, right? Yeah. I agree. Same with Israel. How many times did they fall and come back up? Fall and come back up. Yeah. Same thing. So, you know, even though they stand, he stood before them and did this miracle, at the time being, they might have, you know, said, hey, we, you know, we believe you. Mm-hmm. Weeks later, we'll Yeah. We'll get more into that in just a minute as we kind of move through this this process. But those are all great thoughts. Terry, do you have something else? Yeah, just something else kind of struck me was you know, most of the time you hear of, like a demonic person. They were out and you threw into the pigs and you know, they were out somewhere. But this is in the synagogue. Mm. This is right there. You have uh, the devil in the synagogue, basically. Yeah, absolutely. That ought to be a warning, right? Mm. Yeah. Look around. Which one will use it? Yeah. <laughs> but but that's a that's a real you know get the meaning out of that 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 sitting beside you, you know, in a synagogue. In that point, if we bring it here in a minute to ours, 
you know, is it a wolf in sheep's clothing type of thing? Uh, we've got to we've got to be uh, have our eyes open to that. Okay, absolutely. Any, anything else before we move to the the second step here? I had something real quick. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, one of the things on that first step is the historical context, mm-hmm. and I don't know enough about this to to speak on it, but it would be interesting to understand how they viewed demons, yes. spirits, and what their understanding was, because I'm sure that is very different than what we think of when we think of demons. Sure, sure, and that's... To know that, to know what it meant to them. And I, you know, I skipped over that last time too, because you know we don't have time to go, you know, diving into that. But that's a that's a good example of, okay, I read this passage, and there's something right there that maybe I need to understand a little better, or you know, that interests me. What, you know, how would they have seen it? Maybe a little different than I think they would have seen it. And that's where you can start your study with that. Absolutely. Okay, so number two. Uh, as we've just finished, what you know, what did they understand it to be? Number two, measuring the width of the river to cross. Remember, that's what are the differences between the biblical audience and us? Do you remember the list that we talked about uh, last time? Culture, language. I'll throw out situation because we didn't get that last time. 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 Covenant. Covenant. Okay. I think that's about it, isn't it? We get that? Culture, language, time, situation. There it is. Culture, language, situation, time, and often covenant. There you go. Uh, and remember, they kind of explain that as the, the river that divides us. And again, this is not some kind of big process for us, but again, it's coming to the text and realizing there are differences between uh, us and them. Uh, we, we might also say, how many of you have, have been near someone you thought was demon-possessed? Probably less common. Okay, one. Huh? I've, got, I've got somebody I could message right now, and he'd, he'd vouch for a lot of things. Um, wait, that wasn't, wasn't family, was it? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Leave that alone. Like that, we just figured they... Found some angel dust or something. Yeah, yeah, got into something, right? Yeah. Mental illness. illness, Absolutely. Absolutely. Talking to yourself and things like, yeah, like who are you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, And and so for us, we might say, well, you know, we we can't really wrap our minds around this situation because we don't have that same experience. Now, again, uh, when some of my friends from places like Africa, that is not a question of whether people are demon possessed. They have experienced it. That's not, that's not a doubt in their mind. That's not a maybe. It's no, we have seen it. And uh, I heard lots of stories about that kind of thing. Uh, but again, we have to look around at our, our situation and say, hey, what do we understand or not understand? What have we experienced or not experienced? And so, uh, again, a, a good place to kind of jump off and, and study uh, just a little bit more. All right, so number three, if I can get to it here. Crossing the principalizing bridge. So this is where uh, we come up with this principle. And if you've got your sheet, at the very bottom there's a black rectangle. And this is what we're looking for, these bullet points. So what we're trying to do, uh, again, what is the theological principle in the text that Terry read? What can we bring out as a principle that is, and again, look at your bullet points, uh, reflected right here in this text. We're not trying to add meaning to it. 
the principle should be timeless and not tied to a specific situation. Okay, the principle should not be culturally bound. Remember last week we talked about some cultural things like uh, uh, we already think about dress and some of the verses about that. And uh, see, we do all this work already in our head. This is just giving you a system for it. Uh, the principle should correspond to the teaching of the rest of Scripture. So again, if you come to a conclusion by reading a text and that doesn't agree with the rest of Scripture, you ought to at least stop and ask some questions. Okay? So don't just keep trucking on. Here's what it says. I believe that and we move on. No. All right. Why do you think that in light of the rest of Scripture? Okay? Uh, the principle should be relevant to both the biblical part or the biblical and contemporary audience. Okay? Us and them. And then it says write out that theological principle uh, in one or two sentences. So what is the theological principle in this. Remember, uh, just as for those of you who weren't here, we talked about uh, the example of Peter walking on water. Okay, the, the principle there is not, hey, we should all walk on water, people of faith walk on water, anything like that, right? What, what, what was it? It was faith. Okay, and faith is uh, relevant to them and us. Relevant, it's, it's there in that scripture. You see it all through the rest of the Bible, right? And so that's the theological principle of, of ways we can metaphorically step out uh, in faith on, uh, uh, in different ways. Okay, so what do you think is the theological principle in what Terry read? To show his authority to, to his audience. Okay. Okay, that Jesus has authority over this thing probably they didn't think anyone did, right? This demons possessed. They controlled someone. That even in that situation, Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord, right? Great. And it also proves that, uh, like kind of Karen was saying, I mean, not on exact what she was saying, but just, I mean, Satan took Jesus to temptation to tempt him. So Satan knew who he was. Well, then, so the demons. So it's like everybody in that realm kind of understood who he was, and and for him just to say that kind of is proof that he was the Son of Man. Yeah. Okay. You know, even the demons said it. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, so uh, people that would have witnessed that would have been people who believed in Jesus, people who wanted to trap Jesus. Okay, in that context, and probably here with us too, people who are just reading the Bible to say, I don't like this, or I'm going to prove it wrong. Uh, people who believe it already, or you know, have this faith, uh, and, and so hopefully, what you see with this is that again, Jesus is showing you, He's giving you proof that He is Lord. Absolutely. All right. Remember, um, and I'll see if I've got this here. Uh, remember that. Uh, the principle here is the meaning. It is part of the meaning. That's what we need to keep uh, in mind. Uh, and also, uh, it says here to recall the differences uh, you mentioned in, in uh, step two. Uh, and it says next, try to uh, identify any similarity. So, what similarities do uh, does that story have with, uh, or do we have with with them? We're people of faith. Okay, maybe our, we've got a question about whether Jesus is Lord. Is He who He says He is? That's kind of the question of faith. It kind of rules our life whether we you know, ask that specifically, right? Because we make choices sometimes that say, I'm Lord of my life. No. Okay, when, when He is Lord, right? Okay, 
All right, and number, uh, let's, I already got that. Number four, we want to consult the biblical map. So, how does our theological principle fit with the rest of the Bible? So, the things we just mentioned, does that fit with the rest of Scripture? Is there anything that was said in there that you think, no, I don't think Jesus is Lord with the rest of Scripture? Anything? So, we would say, hey, that's pretty good, pretty good understanding of that, right? Because that fits with the rest of Scripture. Again, a, a lot of the uh, kind of odd teachings that come out of uh, Bible study could be helped by just asking that question. Does this fit with the rest? Okay. And uh, finally, number five, grasping the text in our town. So we started in their town. We have moved that all the way to us. So the question is, how should individual Christians today live out the theological principles that we just uh, saw in this text. So, w what's the application of what we just read there in Luke? We should be able to exercise. Amen. Amen. You should. We're going to start right now. <laughs> Alright. What do you think? We can have confidence because he has that authority. And I don't, I mean, I think we're uncomfortable saying of the demonic, but I mean, we're Christians, we have to believe in the supernatural. We can't not mm -hmm. believe in the resurrection. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in that. So yeah. we, if we know that that's part of the world, then we can have confidence knowing that he has authority over that, that the God that we serve is, we don't have to be afraid of that. Yes. Yeah. Great point. And I think that's uh, what, uh, what you heard in Rebecca's statement there was a kind of an acknowledgement of uh, we are people of the Enlightenment. So once we uh, kind of stepped it up in science, we, we said, you've got to be able to prove it to me, you know, with our, our, our five senses. And if you can't prove it to me with my five senses, it doesn't exist. And so that's gotten kind of weird for us and as Christians being influenced by that, again, by things like the Holy Spirit. Okay, and we say, well, what, what do we do with that? Uh, what about all these gifts we read about in the New Testament? What do I do with that? Um, and, and then what Rebecca pointed out is, well, we believe in all these other supernatural things. Anybody not believe that, that God hears our prayer or that prayer works? You know, I, I said Sunday that the stat now is about 42% actually believe that God actually would hear prayer at all. Okay, uh, and, and so we are people who uh, that may not make us very comfortable because, again, uh, maybe you haven't experienced some things that my friends and other other places have. Um, but yeah, we are people who believe in this. So He is Lord of all these things. Anything else with this? How do you live that out, knowing that He is Lord? What about difficult situations in your life? Difficult circumstances. If we, if we broaden this just a bit as we look at the, the biblical map as it says and, and Jesus being Lord of things, tell me something else that Jesus shows that He is uh, Lord over throughout Scripture. So He's Lord over demons. We say He's Lord over us. Is there anything else He took care of? Weather. The weather. Even the weather. Jesus can tell it to cease. 
Excellent. So, again, what do we take from that? Anybody living with a little anxiety today? <laughs> I'm not saying don't, t don't take medicine if you've been prescribed medicine, but what I am saying is uh, it would help us all if we would think more about uh, the authority of Jesus day in and day out. I think we all, I think we all have anxiety that day. I do. But to think, just a reminder, you know, that's something you need to have on you, as we, as we said on uh, uh, Sunday. So next tattoo, yeah, Jesus is Lord or something, you know. Uh, have it on there. Put it backwards. Yeah, put it backwards so the mirror, you read it right. So everybody else will be confused, but we've got it, right? Excellent. Very good. And so that's it. Again, this is something that once you do this a few times, this is not something I ever look at. This is just something as you come to Scripture, you understand. There are differences between us and them. What are the similarities? What's the principle that's going on here? Yeah, I understand. Again, I'm not going to go out and uh, cast demons out of everybody. Uh, but the principle here is Jesus is Lord. Did you still want to do that? Were you saying something? Okay. Oh. I did. Okay. I was like, no. I yeah. You said you're not going to do exorcisms last same week. But I did want to. Oh. oh. About what you were saying. About something I just. I know you're not hitting on this a lot, but I just think it's interesting that in 33, Rebecca was saying, I don't know what they thought about demons either. But it's interesting that they made a. Uh, they put unclean in there, which makes me think, well. Is there a clean demon? You know. Yeah. So, if, if all demons were unclean, then why would they put unclean in there? Yeah. Demon? Yeah. So that's just interesting. I just never saw that before. That's a great point, and that leads us right into tonight's <laughs> new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben has just shown you how to do some of the stuff we're going to talk about right now. Um, could I get a volunteer to pass out some, or two volunteers, three volunteers? That'd be great. <laughs> to pass out some sheets, please. I am tied to this uh, lectern right now. So I'll let you, as, as big sister, divvy up those however you want to do that. <laughs> nah, he's, uh, he's gotten out of this. So uh, basically what you'll have is a, a summary of the things kind of like this. Uh, of what we're going to talk about tonight. And this is, this next chapter is really starting um, another kind of wave of how do I read the book? And this started, this starts, the chapter is how to read sentences. Okay, that sounds super easy, right? It is. But it's just trying to point out, this is what we do as we read the Word of God. This is the things to pay attention to, as uh, Ben just brought up. Why does it say unclean here? Stuff like that is what we're going to talk about tonight. And again, we'll move from that. What did it, what did it say in yours? Evil. Yeah. Evil. Okay. Okay. <laughs> as they're passing that out, I've got a couple of things to just, uh, uh, just mention as they, they begin the chapter with. Duvall and Hayes say this, if you move straight from your initial reading of a passage to the application of that passage, you will remain tied to your previous understanding of that text. 
Okay, so all I do is open my Bible, I read it, I'm going to apply it immediately. I'm probably just going to get the same thing I believe I've always gotten, right? I already know the story, I know the parable. Thank you very much. I know, uh, I know what's going on here, and so I'm probably going to walk away with the same understanding that I had beforehand. How many of you have come to the Bible at one point, studied it, and said, I don't think that was in there, that must be new? Nobody? You ever, you ever read something you're like, man, I didn't read it that way before, or I've never seen it before? Yeah. And so what this is saying is, hey, we need to slow down, we need to pay attention, and we need to ask these, t- these questions again so we can uh, understand the meaning uh, a little better. He said, you will rarely see anything new and exciting in the text if you do that before, and the Bible will become, will become boring for you. Likewise, it is unlikely that you will hear anything new from God and your relationship with Him is likely to be stagnant. If I already know all the answers, there's nothing else to know, right? And that doesn't mean that every time you go to the Bible, there's a different meaning for you know, the same thing. But what they're saying is, read carefully so that you understand. Don't, don't come saying, well, I know this story, I got it. You know, slow down, pay attention, uh, and read. And, and that Bible, uh, uh, the Bible kind of becomes alive at that point. Uh, one of the exercises we had at Lipscomb was to, uh, to have a section, kind of like what Terry read, you know, something along those lines, and to just sit with it. For minutes, you believe that? Minutes. And just think about, all right, put yourself in that place. You know, just try to, try to imagine yourself at that place at that time. You know, are you hearing anything? Are you seeing anything? You know, what would you have thought if you would have been standing there and seen that? And, and as you slow down and you think a little more uh, in color, I guess we could say, uh, it kind of becomes alive to you. You start, oh, okay. You start catching some things that, that maybe you didn't catch just, just kind of going through it. And so uh, we're just trying to, to not be stagnant and, and think, I already know this, uh, but just to look and to study. And that's what they're, they're pointing out. One of the most critical uh, skills needed in reading the Bible is the ability to see the details. Most of us read the Bible too quickly, and we skip over the details of the text. However, the meaning of the Bible is intertwined into the details of every sentence. Our first step in grasping a biblical text is to observe as many details as possible. We want to see as much as possible. Again, we can't do that reading very quickly. We've got to make time to kind of slow down. At this early stage of analysis, try to refrain from interpreting or applying the text. As a preacher, that is very difficult. I go to read a text for this Sunday, and all of a sudden, I'm three sermons deep for months down the road. Okay, because I'm, I'm off in La La Land. Oh, man, that'd make a good sermon. Ben needs to hear that. And, and so, you know, you kind of, you, you go that way. Okay, slow down. We're not doing that. We're not thinking of names. We're not, you know, interpreting. Just read and try to experience, okay? Uh, these steps are important, but they come later after the observing step. Our first step is to read seriously. To note as many details as possible. Again, what, what Ben pointed out just a minute ago, that had been a great detail to point, uh, to point out. To observe our text as closely as a CSI team reads a crime scene. I love, I love that kind of visual for us. Because for us now, you know, there's, uh, you know, even like, uh, what was it, uh, CSI Miami where they throw stuff up. You know, there's digital, uh, you know, we can throw stuff here and there and uh, we, nothing's left out, right? We can, we can examine everything. And I think that's a good way to think about it. So how do we develop the skill of observing the Bible? We read the text over and over, noting the details of the text. Don't read it once. 
read it again. I think that's why it, it gets us a lot of times. And even when you read it many times, sometimes you come to it, it's like, man, I didn't realize they said it like that. Or that detail was in there. Um, and, and so here's the nuts and bolts of what we're going to talk about tonight. There are, uh, and again, if you have this, this is the list, the uh, order we're going in. Number one is, uh, and you might remember if you were here last week, Coach said, hey, there was some repetition in that that we read from, uh, was it uh, Joshua last week? He said it was a repetition. Okay, look for repetition of words. Why is repetition important? You ever repeat something that's important? You parents, you ever tell your kids when you know something needs to happen, do you tell them more than once? This needs to happen. I'm going to tell you over and over, right? So again, that, that's an easy thing, but look for it. Look for words that repeat. First, be sure to know any words that repeat within the sentence you are studying. Then survey the sentences around the text you're reading and look for repetition uh, in the larger passage that we're reading. So uh, their example there is 1 John 2, 15 uh, through 17. Uh, can anybody pull that up? I, I meant to put that on the screen. Apparently I didn't. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Caitlin, did you say you had it? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of the spies, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Did you hear any repetition in that? No. So if you if you had that printed out on a sheet like this, you'd be circling words, wouldn't you? Okay, yeah, love, especially the first of, of what Scott was reading there. Love, 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 right? You, you had God and world, right? You had uh, some things that just kept coming up. Okay, so you want to notice that. Why is that important? Well, it's important to the story. It's important to the, the understanding that they're trying to give you. They keep repeating this so we understand, right? And so we want to, we want to make note of that. Also, contrasts. Look for items, ideas, or individuals that are contrasted with each other. For an example of contrast, look at Proverbs 14.31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. You see the contrast there. Okay, we're using one thing to, to talk about something else. Whoever oppresses the poor has contempt for their maker. So if I oppress a poor person, I am going against God, right? Against their God. You, sometimes we think, well, they don't matter. Well, my God is their God, okay? But whoever is kind to the needy does what? <coughs> Honors God, okay? And so we see, again, that's a holding up a mirror. Which one am I, right? Am I the, the one uh, at the beginning or am I the one at the end? Okay? So that's important to note. Again, uh, New Testament uh, illustration, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but, you catch that? But it's that contrasting conjunction, right? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Death and life. You get to choose, right? Which one am I going to go with? I really like that sin. That's fun. 
well, I want to live this life. I want to live uh, this life of God. And he gives me a free gift that is eternal life if I will choose that. Okay. All right. Also comparisons. I want to compare some things. Uh, Contrast focus on differences. Comparisons focus on similarities. Look for items, ideas, or individuals that are compared with each other. From Proverbs 25, uh, 26, like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. One more time, I got to read Proverbs multiple times before I get it. <laughs> the, the poetry uh, sometimes gets me as well. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. So that, that kind of calls on, you need to experience this a little bit. Anybody ever been to a, a crystal clear spring? Ever been there? Like a good cold spring, like, I, yeah, I'm going to drink some of this water. So that idea that kind of comes up in your mind as you think about that, what does a muddied spring look like to you? Huh? Cows? Oh, Galveston. <laughs> well, you said you said Galveston. I heard cows. Uh, one of the preacher, one of my fr- preacher friends, said uh, he was on a, a trip with some people, and they got up high in the mountains. And the guide told him, he said, "Hey, you can drink out of this stream. It is, it, you know, it's crystal clear. There is no pollution in this." And a lot of them drank. And he's like, "I don't know about that." He said they went around the next bend, and there was a herd of cows going through there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> So, like a muddied spring or a polluted well. So, at one time these could have been good things are the righteous who give way to the wicked. So, a righteous person who decides to, okay, give way to the wicked. You get that image, right? It's comparison, all right? Uh, in James 3, 3 through 6, the tongue is compared to three different things. What are they? And I didn't read, I didn't put that up there either. Uh, do you remember what they're compared to, what the tongue is? Yeah, a rudder. I'm, I'm calling on your, your memory right here. What is it? Yeah. A bit, yeah. Sword. A sword, is it there? I don't know if it's there. I don't know where it was. Yeah, I know it isn't. You may be right. I'm just. Thought I had that on there. Uh, James 3 3 through 6. Fire. Fire. Yeah, the tongue is also like a fire, a world of evil, among the parts of the body. Also a fire. All right. We're also looking, when we study, we're looking for lists. Anybody ever read a list before in Scripture? <laughs> yeah, that's a list as well. Yeah, you bet. When I, when I think of lists, I immediately think of Paul. Because Paul lists, you know, he lists the sins, or he lists, here are... Um, the fruits of the Spirit, uh, when he does sins, uh, my favorite thing he does is end things such as these, you know, that covers everybody. Like, oh yeah, I didn't have anything in that list. He says, and things such as these. Uh, so, uh, they ask the question this. Um, uh, it says, write the list down and explore its significance. Is there any order to the list? You know, is there any meaning be- beside, you know, uh, if you were making a list, certain list, you would order things by priority, Right. And so we ask those kind of questions. Uh, are the items grouped in any way? Is there a reason they are listed the way they are? Sometimes, maybe. Sometimes, I don't think so. Okay? And so you're just asking this question to see, all right, what are we, what are we trying to, uh, what is the biblical writer, the author, trying to impress upon the reader? 
All right, for example, what three things are listed in 1 John 2, 16? For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of his eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Okay, so uh, uh, three things there, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay, and we've asked those questions. Is there any reason for putting them in this way? I don't know. Um, uh, is it not? That's, that's something you can uh, mess with there. Uh, what is listed in Galatians 5, 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I don't know why forbearance. That would be a good uh, Bible study question. Why are we using forbearance in this in 2022 and not patience? Okay, why, why did the translators decide this might be a better word? be a good Bible study. Okay, uh, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, so again, uh, just noticing that's a list. Uh, also, cause and effect. Often the biblical writers will state a cause and then state the effect of that cause. And I said earlier we looked at Proverbs 15.1 and found that this verse contained a contrast. It also has two cause and effect relationships. Take a look at it again. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see the cause and effect. A gentle answer does what? Turns away wrath. Harsh words do what? So, if uh, Ben, I picked on you all night. I'm going to keep picking on you. Uh, so, if Ben gets upset with me tonight and all I do is yell back at him, how's that going to go? Okay? More, more likely than not, it's just going to be a real awkward situation for the rest of you guys, right? Uh, we're just going to go out here while y'all handled it, right? Uh, but, but what does it do if, if I answer him more with gentleness? You know, you have more of a chance at least. You know, some people are just hot-headed. But you have more of a chance of kind of, all right, simmer this thing down. There's no reason to, uh, uh, to be upset. You know, it's kind of like I, I've, I've told you guys, you know, if you ever have anything uh, with me that I say in a sermon, you need to come talk to me. And I said, you know, if you show up at my house and we've got this appointment and you show up angry, we'll just reschedule. Because there's, there's, no, there's no benefit here, right? No benefit for you being mad at me and me getting upset and anybody's blood pressure go up. Get upset? Yeah. There's no benefit there. So, again, we, we see this. Okay, a cause and effect, and we understand that's what it is. Uh, and they just explain that. Uh, figures of speech are images in which words are used in a sense other than the normal literal sense. We understand this, don't we? Sometimes we speak uh, not meaning literally, right? Okay, for example, think about the lamp image in Psalm 119.105. Your word, God, is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And so we read this and we think, when I walk outside at night, illuminate my pathway, right? No, it's figurative, right? Okay, what else is figurative in just that little uh, sentence there? Yeah. Yeah, we're not expecting anything to happen specifically to our feet, right? Would you say path? Yeah, we're not meaning a, a literal pathway out here. What are we meaning? Life. Yeah. Okay, so what, what is this lamp that God is providing then? What, what does this look like? Okay, well, what does it look like as far as, okay, your word is a lamp for my life. I'm sorry? To guide. A guide, yeah. That, that, that God has allowed us to have His Word to guide our lives, right? Okay, anything else? 
Okay, very good. We're, I'm a very literal person, so sometimes, you know, things like this, I'm like, eh, just, just tell me how it is. But we use figurative language all the time. Uh, we just don't, don't think of it that way. All right, uh, just a, what are we, where are we at? Oh, man. I'm going to see if we can, I think we can finish up here. As you observe biblical text, always identify any figures of speech that occur. Try to visualize the figure of speech like we just did. You know, I'm not going to walk outside and think, God, where are you at? Okay, it was kind of silly, but you think about, okay, what does this mean? Ask yourself, what image is the author trying to convey with the figure of speech? Which, again, is what we did. Uh, and we, we just did uh, uh, an example, so we'll skip that. Uh, also, conjunctions. Y'all didn't know you were going to have English class today, did you? <laughs> Uh, but those are important, okay? If we imagine the biblical text to be like a brick house, then conjunctions are the mortar that holds the bricks together, phrases and sentences uh, together. Uh, one critical aspect of careful reading is to note all of the conjunctions, and, for, but, therefore, since, because, etc. Our tendency is to skip over them, but don't do it. Without the mortar, the bricks fall into a jumbled mess. So always take note of the conjunctions and identify their purpose or function. That is, try to determine what the conjunction connects. What are we doing here? Again, but often shows contrast. We saw that uh, in, was it Proverbs, Psalm of Proverbs. Okay? Therefore, remember that saying that I've told you before. When you, you come across a therefore, the easy way to think of that is, what's it there for? Okay, so we're noticing that. Therefore, or so often is a, a conclusion on an earlier argument. So you see a therefore, you think, okay, we've talked about something that he's ending up, he's ending right here. And you go back and you, and you catch that. Uh, verbs, they say, where all the action is. Um, I don't know why they put a little subtitle on this one, but they, they thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. Uh, verbs where all the action is. Verbs are important because they communicate the action of the sentence. As you observe the text, be sure to note the verbal action. Try to identify what kind of verb is used. Is the verb a past, present, or future tense? I went, I go, I will go. Okay, and another important distinction to look for in the verbs, and I think this is very important, is whether they are active or passive, okay? Uh, active verbs are those in which the subject is doing the action, so Bill hit the ball. Passive verbs are those uh, verbs where the subject is acted upon. Bill was hit by the ball. And uh, do you remember in a sermon series in the last six months that I said, this is most of the time passive? This word in Greek, you remember which word it was? I don't look down on you for this. I, I have to move on to the next sermon myself. So it's sometimes like, I said that? Okay, that's good. Or bad. Baptism. Be baptized, right? Uh, often it is, or most of the time, it is, it is uh, in the passive. And so when you get into a discussion with someone about, well, that's just a work that you do. The only, the only thing that is active by me is saying, I'm going to do this. I have agreed in my heart to do this, and I will be baptized. Anybody, anybody witness someone baptize themselves? No? Somebody baptizes you, right? Very passive thing, okay? Uh, it says, this distinction is particularly important in Paul's letters because it often delineates between what we do and what God has done for us. So passive verbs often underscore the things that God has done for us. Uh, and note the following active and passive verbs. Since then, you have been raised. What are we talking about? Baptism. That you have been raised, passive, with Christ, set. 
set. You have to choose. Set your hearts on things above, okay? A very active thing. And finally, our last one here, uh, pronouns. Note all pronouns and be sure to identify uh, the antecedent, which means to whom or to what the pronoun refers. Uh, so, to understand Scripture, you have to understand who it's talking about, right? Uh, very easy, very logical uh, thing. So, uh, who, for example, are the our and us in this example from Ephesians 1 3? Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So, Paul writing to the Ephesians here, talking about our God. Okay, he's talking about us. And so, he, he's including. Uh, the Ephesians in this, this grand narrative that is Scripture, that is the story of God, right? And so we look at that and we say, well, that's, that's us too. So, oh, it doesn't show up very well. They gave an example of if you wanted to really dive in and do all of this every time you study the Bible. Anybody ever diagram sentences before? Oh, you got teachers in there. I know you have. Yeah. And, and so you could do the same thing. Uh, with this kind of thing and circle and, and draw lines and say, okay, this is important. And if you really want to do that, you can. I never do that. My software does it very easily and I, uh, uh, I highlight and bold and underline all the time. But I, I don't do this. Now when I took Greek uh, and Hebrew, uh, Greek I did it all the time. I'm sure you did too because you got a minor in it. But I mean you had to, you had to diagram everything. And so you're understand, you're digging deep, and you're understanding what all points to what, all these things. So again, if you're past, I don't know, you don't have to get too far in school to do some of this stuff, right? In English, and that's all you're doing. We're just in this chapter, just pointing out. We want to read. We want to understand. We want to look for all the details, so that we're not just speeding through. Uh, but we actually understand what the Word of God says to us. Okay, that's the whole point of this whole thing, is to better understand the Word of God. And I know this is one of those things where you think, oh my goodness, this is a lot. I don't want to ever do this. If somebody does this, would you let me know? And I, I, want, to, I want to know if anybody actually diagrams a sentence like this. But uh, uh, this is one of those things that after you kind of get it down, it becomes just a part of your reading. You're not looking at anything. You just read this way. Uh, the freedom that you'll experience is just amazing. Uh, that I can, I can do this. Uh, so uh, that's it for tonight. Any questions, comments, final rebuttals? I don't know. You never mentioned punctuation. Punctuation? Well, yeah, like I've heard some people. Jordan, get up and read a, uh, would you like to address punctuation in the Greek? Scripture, and it's like deadpan. Uh, mm. You look, you know, even the one I read a minute ago, I purposely didn't go too nuts with it, but it, you know, let's say like whenever the, the, de the demon was talking, there's a lot of exclamation points in there. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's a lot of force in what he's saying. And uh, even if you just kind of repeat in your mind, if you don't voice it, read it like it's some theatrical person no. on stage, what they're doing, and then you'll, you'll, it'll bring out a lot more of maybe the feeling and what's going on. I agree. I, I think we need to read it uh, not flat. I think we need to uh, read it as something we experience. This is real people. You're reading it as a part of you know your life or their life, whatever you're trying to you know envision as you're doing that. Uh, did you want to touch on yeah, yeah. actual punctuation there? 
Punctuation in Greek is almost non-existent. The way we get punctuation in scripture is from just uh, translators' understanding of words and phrases. And so where you see punctuation, that word probably wasn't um, like just the, you know, you talked about in Greek diagramming. What I would have to do in Greek is every single word, I'd have to break it down completely. Like my, my Greek homework for like a two verses was three pages long mm. because there's just so much in each word that we don't kind of have in English. And so a lot of the punctuation we see is inferred through an understanding of Greek words and phrases like that. So if you were just to read yep. a Greek transcript, it would just be a bunch of symbols and not much else. Yeah. Know? And some, sometimes the, uh, the translators do a great job of getting everything in the right spot. Sometimes you go to a next chapter and you realize the previous chapter hadn't ended yet. You know, uh, why did we start it here? Uh, and again, that was all done just to help us find things within uh, the Word of God. Uh, but it, it does help to understand, you know, this is, what we, this is what we had to work with, and that's what people have to do to get it to us in English. That's why conjunctions are super important, because they help you track with where you are mm. in this big, long text that you're reading. Because without a therefore, sometimes you'll get lost with the, the central idea of anything, because, you know, there is no real punctuation. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Any more Greek questions? We'll, uh, we'll let you talk to Jordan after class. Uh, let's pray as we close. God, our Father, again, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for being who you are. God, for loving us, for uh, sending your son to die for us. And, and God, to, uh, for what we're studying right now, Lord, we are so thankful for your word that, uh, in which you have revealed who you are. Uh, that you have revealed your, your will for our lives. And uh, God, we just, we just pray that for each of us, we uh, develop even more of a hunger to know all of these things. Uh, God, we just, we just, I just pray for each person here. Lord, uh, bless their lives. Lord, we, we have many who have been sick. Lord, be with each and every uh, situation that we know of there. Uh, and God bless us as a, a church. Again, to, uh, to strive more and more to know, uh, to learn more about you, to know about you and have that impact and change our lives. And God, we just pray that uh, we will be good witnesses here in Mont Bellevue and all the towns uh, from which we come. God be with us as we leave this place tonight. Uh, Lord, we just pray for uh, traveling grace tonight for those of us going home and uh, just be with us as we uh, try to live life and to understand, Lord, that you're always there for us. Thank you again for forgiving us when we fall short. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.